Morning, folks. We are continuing our sermon series through the Beatitudes. So if you have a Bible, if you'd like to just turn to Matthew chapter 5, and today we're looking at verse 6. Um, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, I'm going to read it out anyway, so all good. Now, I, th- I think we have some slides. It's fine. I don't, really, I don't really need them. I was just trying to show off a bit, but perhaps the Lord is humbling me. Um, I don't, don't really need them. If, we don't, if, we don't, if they don't work, it's fine. I can, I can just read it all out. So, so that's, that's absolutely fine. So, yeah, Matthew chapter 5. Help if I turn to it as well. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 6. And the beatitude we're looking at today is this. Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So what we're going to do, we're going to do some uh, word studies today about some of the words in this beatitude. Uh, And what I did was I went to biblehub.com, which has a really helpful thing called online, it's like an online lexicon, and it shows you the original text, because the New Testament is written in Greek, so it shows you the original Greek word and and how how it's sort of translated in various ways. So we're just going to go through some of the key words uh, in that uh, beatitude, Um, and I was going to put them on a slide, but it's fine. I can, I can read them out, and in some ways it might be easier if I read them out. So the first one um, is, is hunger. And I th- the Greek word, I, I'm not Greek, so apologies for those of you who speak Greek, and I'm going to mispronounce all of these words. Um, but I think the word used is pinao uh, or something like that. And it, Thank you. I, I, maybe I should just not read it, because I'm going to get all of them wrong, aren't I? Um, <laughs> anyway... The word that's used, it means to hunger, be hungry. Uh, I am hungry, I'm needy, I desire earnestly. And, and in a figurative sense, in a metaphorical sense, it means to crave ardently, to seek with eager desire. So when we're, when we're hearing Jesus talk about hunger, uh, that, that's kind of a sense of what he's talking about here. Uh, secondly, thirst. Um, uh, the... the w- <laughs> I won't read it out. I won't be able to pronounce the word. But uh, the word that means to thirst, it's I thirst for, I desire earnestly. So again, we get this sense of kind of uh, an earnest desire for something. So that's kind of hunger and thirst. Uh, And then we get on to to righteousness. Um, And um, the word word righteousness, it's from another word called, I think, DK. Is Is that right? It means a judicial verdict. Okay, so it's just good, good we've got a few Greeks here. We're just sort of conversing across the, the conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That sounds about right. Um, yeah. Um, maybe I'll put this, we'll share the slides later. But, but basically what it means is it means a judicial, it comes from a word that means a judicial verdict. So it's judicial approval, the verdict of approval. And in the New Testament, it means the approval of God. So divine approval. Uh, and it's the regular New Testament term used for righteousness. Uh, and and it's, it's sort of the ex- explanation here is God's judicial approval. So, so we get this sense of the approval of God. And it refers to what is deemed right by the Lord after his examination. So we get this sense of kind of, you know, God, God sort of examining us and, and the sort of judicial verdict of that I, God says that this is right. So when we think about righteousness, that is that sense of what God has deemed right. Um, 
after his examination, what is approved in his eyes. And perhaps we could just compare that for a second to, uh, in, in the book of Judges, we won't turn there, in the book of Judges, uh, chapter 21, verse 25, uh, it, it mentions where Israel, in those days Israel had no king, where Israel had no king, and in those days everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So that mo- uh, that's a moment in time where everyone did what was basically what I think is right. I'm going to do what I think is, you know, what I think is right, uh, what's right in, in their own eyes. But what Jesus is talking about here about righteousness is things that are deemed right in God's eyes. So it's God's judicial approval for things that are right. So that, that perhaps just helps us a little, little bit more about kind of what, what uh, Jesus is, is getting at when he talks about righteousness. So what does it mean then to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, hunger and thirst are both they're, they're physical desires and they're spiritual desires. And if we don't heed these desires, we die. If we don't feed ourselves, we die. If we don't drink, if we're thirsty, if we don't drink, we die eventually. So we know that that's true physically, but it's also it's true spiritually as well. And the reason it's true spiritually is because God made us to be good. In the beginning, you know, God made, he made the creation. He, said, he looked at it and he said, this is good. God made us to be good. He made us to be good and live his way in his good standard of living. And, and it's true physically, uh, spiritually as well, as well as it is physically. So there's sort of two aspects to it. So the two ways we can look at this, physical hunger, thirst for righteousness. Um, when we're talking about sort of hunger for righteousness as opposed to hunger for dieting, or starving, or whatever, whatever that might be. We're talking about fasting, because the difference with, with fasting is that when, when we hunger, when we go without food, it's because we want to spend more time praying. It's because we want to spend more time seeking God and saying, God, God, I'm going to give up eating for a while. I'm going to give up um, feeding myself. I'm going to give up all the preparation that involves to spend time seeking you, to spend time seeking you and your way. So that, this is, that's kind of physical... Um, hunger uh, uh, for, for righteousness, uh, fasting. I'm not going to talk about fasting today because I, I want to talk about the more the figurative aspect. But just to commend to you Martin's teaching on fasting, which you can get on YouTube, which I think he did at the beginning of the year. Um, that's where it goes through all the kind of uh, scriptures about fasting. Uh, and I'm not going to go into it, but, but the thing about fasting is that often it brings spiritual breakthrough in situations, and um, I can testify to the faithfulness of God uh, doing that in my life, where I prayed for something, I fasted for something at the beginning of the year. Later on that year, God has he's done that thing. Um, so I'm not going to go into it too much, and I, I commend you to kind of look, look at the, the, the teaching on YouTube, perhaps in your own time, but um, just to share God's, God's faithfulness of you know, fasting and, and it bringing breakthrough in situations. So if you're going through that, I would encourage you, pray, fast, seek God. And we'll see breakthrough. So just to touch on that briefly, but, but, but the sort of second way we can look at this in, in a figurative sense about, about hunger and thirst for righteousness, this is a deep longing, a deep desire for something. And so hunger and thirst for righteousness in this sense is earnestly desiring the things that God has approved. So we sort of have the physical and the figurative figurative aspect and I want to major really on the sort of figurative aspect because I think this is kind of what Jesus is getting at but I, but I do think there's there's both sides to it as well so hunger and, th- and thirst for righteousness 
And the promise for those that hunger and thirst for righteousness is that Jesus says they will be satisfied or they'll be filled. If you look at the different sort of English translations we have uh, of this scripture, in some versions it says they'll be filled. In other versions it says they'll be satisfied. So to look at at the... um, the word satisfied, if we, if we look at sort of the, the, the Greek word, I think it's chortazao or, or something like that. I may not be pronouncing it correctly, but it means to feed, to fatten, to fill, to satisfy. And I think it derives from another word, uh, chortos, which it, it means to, to fodder or, or sort of generally to gorge, to supply food in abundance, to feed, to fill, to satisfy. Um, and I, I, I should just confess something to you. Uh, last, last night, um, Susan and I ordered a pizza. Uh, we, we, we don't always order takeaway, in case you're sort of worried about our dietary uh, habits. It was my fault, really. I was um, supposed to sort of get the dinner going, and I, I was busy with other things, and I sort of forgot, and it got a bit late. And I, se- and I said to her, do you want me to make something? And I was like, well, we could have pie. It's in the freezer, but it's going to take a while to do in the oven. And we're really hungry, you know, you know, it's late and you're really hungry. So we thought, we'll, we'll order a pizza. So we ordered a pizza from Domino's. We thought, oh, that usually comes quite quickly. But I think they must have been really busy last night because it sort of said it'll take a bit longer. So we ordered a pizza and we thought, it'll come here quickly. And we were really hungry. Like, where is it? I don't know if you've done this. They have this thing where you can track your pizza. Anyone done that? So it can't just, it can't just be us. I'm sure so, some of you have done that. You, you might not be willing to admit it. But you could track your pizza. And then we, we're sort of tracking it and it's like, it's not, it's not, not even baking yet. What's going on? Why isn't it baking? And then it's sort of like, they're still doing the prep. I'm like, oh, really? They must be so busy. And then eventually it's like, okay, baking. And we checked a bit like, still baking. And they're out for delivery. Oh, thank goodness. And they have this thing on the app where you can, you can watch your delivery driver kind of around. I, I don't know if you've done that. And it's like, well, where, where's my pizza? And are they coming straight to us or are they going somewhere else? And, it, and it's like, they're moving away. From, why are they moving away from our house? Why are they doing that? And they said they went somewhere else. And obviously they had another delivery. And, and, and she's like, oh, I hope it's going to be warm by the time it gets here. And then, because we were so hungry. And then eventually it's like, it's like, it's edging towards us. And I'm like, is it here? I can't hear the motor. Why can't I hear the motorbike? It, it looks like it's outside. Like, why haven't they rung the doorbell yet? We were so hungry. It was one of those moments where we were just really hungry last night. And then finally it came. And uh, oh, it was so good. It was glorious. We were just so hungry, and we had the pizza, and it was brilliant. And you know when you, you know, you're really hungry, and then you eat a good meal, and you're like, oh, that was good. <laughs> See, I think, I think this, is kind of, this is kind of what Jesus is sort of talking about here, where we get this, this sense of being filled and being satisfied. And I think the, 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 the wording that, that was sort of used, it, it came from the word that they would use to sort of feed the, the, the cattle and the calves and stuff, where they would need to sort of feed them and fatten them and, and fill them. And it's sort of supply, food, and abundance, and it's that kind of satisfaction and, and filling. So, so in a metaphorical sense, it's to fulfill or satisfy the desire of anyone. So when Jesus says about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. They'll be satisfied. That's kind of what he's, he's meaning here. So hopefully that, that helps us understand a little bit about what Jesus is saying. But to help us understand what he's getting at here. I think we need to look at some of the other things that Jesus said about hunger and thirst. Uh, Because Jesus also said to 
uh, some other things elsewhere in scripture about, about this topic. So um, perhaps if we can just turn uh, quickly to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 35. So John 6, uh, verse 35. Uh, Jesus says that he is the bread of life. And it says this, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So he says, who, he who comes to me shall never hunger. Think about how hungry you get if you miss a meal. You know, we have our sort of three, most of us three meals a day. Um, I get pretty hungry if I miss a meal. But Jesus says, if you come to me, you'll never hunger. And he says, if you believe in me, you'll never thirst. Think about how thirsty we get. But Jesus says, he who believes in me will never thirst. So here we get a sense of people's desires and needs being filled or satisfied, and they're satisfied by believing in Jesus. If you come to Jesus, you're never going to hunger again. If you come to Jesus, you're never going to thirst again. It's quite a profound statement, but that's what Jesus said. And let's look at some, some of the other verses to help us uh, further understand this. Just go back a couple of chapters into John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we'll look at verse 13 and 14. And this is Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. Uh, and he, he says this, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So again, Jesus says something similar here. He says, you know, whoever drinks, whoever drinks of the water that Jesus gives will never thirst. So again, we get the same message and picture of people's desires being fulfilled by Jesus. People who come to Jesus will never thirst again. It's a profound statement, but what, what, you know, what, what's he getting at? Well, he says it will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. It's a picture of water in abundance. It's not just like a glass of water. You drink it for a bit and you're sort of done. And maybe you have a glass of water a bit later on and you, know, you drink it again and you're okay. It's a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. It's like a bubbling, it's like a natural spring that sort of flows and sort of goes on and, and, and never ends. It springs up into everlasting life. It's a picture of water in abundance. So we get, we get a little bit more here, but, but let's just go to John chapter 7, because we get even more in John chapter 7. So if we just flip, flick over a few chapters forward to John chapter 7, uh, verse 37. And we'll just read down to verse 39. So John 7, verse 37 says this. On the last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would, would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
So again, Jesus says, um, if you thirst, come to Jesus, come to me, and I'll uh, and drink. And he says, out of your heart, or, or in some, some other versions, it says out of your belly, so out of your, your kind of innermost being, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Again, we get a picture of water flowing in abundance. And it says, to, uh, Scripture tells us that this is about the Holy Spirit that you will receive the Holy Spirit when believing in Jesus. So the promise of us being filled or being satisfied is is from receiving the Holy Spirit, from receiving Jesus himself, God himself, Jesus himself, but in the form of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said would be given to them after he had been glorified. So after Jesus had gone to the cross to to die on the cross for our sin, and after he'd he'd rose from the dead and was glorified in in his resurrection. So after that, had happened, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and it would flow in us like water in abundance. And it's, it's, that, it's that sort of thing that would come into us so that we'll never thirst again because we've got the abundance of water living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. So if we desire or we thirst for righteousness, God will fill us with it in the form of himself. God lives in us as we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is what satisfies our souls. It satisfies our desire for righteousness. And and it comes after we've had a chance to mourn our sin. We've heard in the previous weeks as as we looked at the Beatitudes that that come before this verse, you know, we we need to, there's some things we need to, we need to mourn our sin, the fact that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. After we've humbled ourselves, Dan was sharing last week about meekness and humility, after we've humbled ourselves and realized that we're not God and we need to humble ourselves in God's sight. And, and accepting that we need, we need God. Ken, Ken said it in the first beatitude about blessed are those that are poor in spirit. That, that's about realizing that actually we need God. We need God in our lives. So after we've sort of gone through that and, and, and mourn the fact that we, we're, we're sinners and we fall short of the glory of God, we then get a desire and a hunger for righteousness a desire for God's way, a desire for God's way to be manifested and worked out, not just in our own lives, but in our society, in the world around us. We need God's righteousness. We need his goodness. We need what God has said is right to be happening in the world because otherwise it's destruction and chaos. And we're seeing that right now in the news. We have a desire in in, in us that says, God, we need your way. And the wonderful thing about, about this scripture, um, it talks about you know, like a, fa- a fountain of a, 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 um, living waters. Not only does that satisfy ourselves, but we will also become a, a river so that others may drink and be satisfied. Others who need Jesus, others who need, who need righteousness, who need goodness, but perhaps don't know where to look. They can look at us and see, see Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit manifesting uh, himself in our lives, that, that sort of that fount- that fountain of, of living, uh, living water bubbling out to other people. It's a wonderful picture because it's, it's not just God's like, well, I'll give you what you need and you, that, that'll be it and you'll be all right. It's abundance. God wants to give us abundance. I, I love the bit in John uh, 10, 10 where Jesus says, I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. 
And isn't that the picture of, of God being, a, you know, the perfect father and a good father? A, a, a good father doesn't want to just be limited to his children. He wants to give them abundance. He wants to give them gifts in abundance. He wants to give them everything. And that's the wonderful thing about God. He loves us. He wants to give us abundance because he loves us so much. So we get a picture here of how God fills us with abundance, uh, fountain, rivers of living water. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can get despondent with the terrible things that are going uh, on in the world. Uh, sometimes I read the news, I watch the news, and things are so bad, they're, they're, so, they're just so awful. Like, there are moments where I just think, Lord Jesus, please come back, come back to put an end to this. Because we know that uh, things will only be completely restored when Jesus comes back. And, you know, we, we should have a desire for righteousness to come in, in our world. We should have a longing. We should have a deep longing in our, in our soul to say, God, we need your way. We need your righteousness to come on, on earth as it is in heaven. Because without that, it's just death and destruction. Um, and sometimes we can get a bit, bit overwhelmed. But when Jesus comes back, our longing for righteousness will be satisfied and fulfilled completely. Let's just go to Revelation 7, because it, it gives us a bit of a picture of that, uh, along the same sort of themes that Jesus talked about. Revelation chapter 7. So Revelation chapter 7, and we'll read from verse uh, 14 down to 17. So this is, this is John, uh, John speaking, who, who wrote Revelation. It says this, And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood made of the uh, blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. And, and it says this, this so this, this is the same sort of uh, words and, and, and themes that Jesus has been saying in, in this sort of beatitude. It says this, they shall ne neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. I'll say that again. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to, the f to living fountains of waters. So again, living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So we get a picture here of what is to come for the saints after Jesus returns. Verse 16, it says, They shall hunger no more, nor thirst any more. Again, it's the same thing that Jesus said. They shall hunger no more, nor thirst any more. So it's an ama amazing sort of repetition of that, of that scripture. And it says that the Lamb, that's Jesus, will lead them to living fountains of waters. So again, it's the same sort of picture. And it says that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. You think of every, every hurt, every pain, every bad thing that has, has ever happened and, and will happen, God's going to wipe away every tear from everything that's, that's been painful. That's the hope that we, you know, that we have in Jesus. And th there, there will be total satisfaction as Jesus will right every wrong. Jesus will write everyone. One of the, one of the things about, about sort of righteousness as well is that it's one, one of the translations for the word is it's about justice. 
And we can, we can all get quite sort of upset and wound up about things that are unjust in the news and the world. We've all got this d- desire in us where things are unjust. There's an outcry. There's a public outcry because we want justice. We want righteousness. We've got that inbuilt desire for it because that's how, how God made us. And, and, you know, on that day, Jesus is going to right every wrong. That's a wonderful thing to look forward to. And, you know, we should have a desire for righteousness to come in our society and community. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see God's righteousness come on earth as it is in heaven. But until that day comes, we can be filled, we can be satisfied by continually receiving the Holy Spirit and receiving his peace and joy and letting Jesus flow out of us to others around us. The wonderful thing about joy, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances. So you can only be happy if, if all the circumstances in your life are good and perfect. And let's be honest, does that happen in a fallen world? <laughs> probably, probably not in most cases. But the thing about joy is that even if there's difficult circumstances, even if there are problems and difficulties, we can have joy, even if circumstances are bad, because... Jesus died for our sins because Jesus rose from the dead and because we know that Jesus is coming back. So the thing, and that's, that's the thing about following Jesus, that we can have joy. So we can have satisfaction. We can have fulfillment because Jesus gives us peace. He gives us joy. He gives us peace when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gives us hope. And that's how we're filled. When we, when we seek after righteousness, we're fulfilled. Because Jesus comes and and he is our righteousness and he lives inside of us. So, a question for all of us then is, are we hungry? Are we thirsty? What do we long for? What do we yearn for? Do we long for righteousness in our lives? Do we long for righteousness in our communities? And I think a related question to this, because it's, it's really about sort of being filled, what are, we, what are we feeding on? What are we feeding our soul with? Are we feeding our soul with the righteousness of God, God's word, things that are good? Or are we feeding them with other things? And other things aren't necessarily bad, but sometimes they can distract us from the things that God wants us to, to fill ourselves with and to renew our minds on. Other things may fill us temporarily, but they won't satisfy us. They won't fulfill us like hungering or earnestly desiring righteousness. Because the truth is, folks, it's only Jesus that can truly fulfill us completely. And the reality is we, we were made to be in relationship with God. We were made to be righteous and to live a holy life and to, to live the way that God wants us to. We get that picture in, in the book of Genesis where God creates the world. He creates human beings uh, and um, everything is, is good. Everything is, is well because there's no sin. They haven't re- they, there's, there's the moment where they haven't, they haven't sinned. They haven't rebelled against God. They haven't disobeyed against his good way of living against his instructions and everything's fine they've got everything they need and it's good we were made to we were made to worship god to be in relationship with god to be intimate with god to live righteously and the reality is folks it's only jesus that can truly satisfy our souls because god made us god made us that way 
And the wonderful thing is that Jesus has come. He, he died on the cross for our sin. He rose from the dead so that all the, all the things that are wrong in this world, all the things that we've done, were dealt with. So that we can know Jesus. We can receive the Holy Spirit. We can have that, that, that fountain of living water fulfilling us. That life fulfilling us. Because Jesus went to the cross. Isn't that wonderful? That's that, folks, that gives us hope. Where else are you going to get hope? Look at the news. You're not going to get hope by watching the news. You're going to get the opposite. But praise God, we have hope in Jesus to fulfill us, to satisfy us. It's only Jesus that can give our souls a fountain of life that springs up in abundance. And he does this by filling us with the Holy Spirit. He comes and lives inside of us. So how do we become hungry for righteousness? If you're like me, if you've been been in church a long time, you know what the answer is. If someone says to you, should we be hungry for righteousness? You know what the answer is. The answer is yes. We don't often often feel that way. Uh, We don't often feel hungry for for God or for righteousness. We don't often often feel sort of desperate for it. Um, And I think, I mean, there are various things... There are various things that make us feel that way. And, you know, you, you'll, you'll know the things in your life that sort of challenge you sometimes because we're comfortable or we're, we have the flesh that doesn't want to do, do, do God's will. But the thing is, I think, how do we become hungry for righteousness? I think it comes down to the fact that we, we have to regularly decide to do so because Jesus is Lord. All things start with the decision of our will. If you, if you want to follow Jesus... You have to start by deciding, it's a decision of your, your will to say, yes, I'm going to do this, regardless of how you're feeling. And I think the other thing is that we have to continually receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. And if you look at the sort of translation of it, it's go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. Keep being filled. Keep being filled. It's like a picture of a cup that overflows. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the reality is, folks, we need it. We need it every day. We need it every day to live, to have hope, to live for Jesus, to be the people that, that Jesus has called us to be. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. But praise God. Praise God. He wants to give us abundance. He wants to give us living waters in abundance because he's a wonderful God. And I think sometimes, I don't know, you come to church, we sing, we sing worship songs and it can challenge us. The lyrics can challenge us. Uh, we sing that song, you know, this is my, my daily bread. Your very words spoken to me. I'm desperate for you. Sometimes when I sing those songs, I have to think, you know, Pete, do you mean this? Not in a sort of condemnation way, but a sort of a, you know, come on, do you mean this? Do you? And I have to once again say, okay, God, I'm going to be desperate. I'm going to seek after righteousness because you're Lord. Because you're Lord and your way is the best way. And I think the other thing about how we become sort of hungry for righteousness is we have to choose to believe that it's Jesus alone that will satisfy us. We have to choose to believe that. We have to believe that that's true. The world tells us the opposite. The world tells us, well, just do what you want and you'll be fine. Do what you want. You'll be all right. It's fine. Do what you want. It'll give you everything you need in life. It's not true. Not true. I said, I, th- I think I said uh, one of the um, other sermons I did sort of a few months ago um, that you know, the actor Jim Carrey, famous actor who, um, who you know, is rich and famous, he said, I hope that you know, everyone has all their dreams come true so that they can find out 
that that's not the reality, that that's not the case. And that, that's his testimony. His testimony was that everything he thought he, you know, the world said that you needed, it, it didn't fulfill him. He found out that that wasn't true. Um, but it's a lie. You know, the, wor- the world tells us the opposite. It's a lie. We have to choose to believe that it's Jesus alone that will satisfy us. We need to choose to believe that and renew our minds so our minds believe that and that our lives follow that. And that, I think, is, is, is the challenge for us. We have to choose to believe that Jesus will satisfy our soul. And I think the final thing that I, I, I really want to say before I sort of hand, hand back to um, uh, Ken and, and, and you know, worship time, I feel like with, with what is happening, and Ken's already alluded to it, is that the world is being shaken up at the moment by the things that are happening in the news. And I feel like God is shaking things. I feel like he's, he's allowing things to happen, probably because, as we've read, we're, cl- you know, we're closer to the end. We're closer to the return of Jesus. But I feel like God is, one of the reasons why God is, is doing it and allowing things to happen, it's so that we become more hungry. When we see these things, it should cause us to say, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you to come. Lord, this world needs you. Lord, we want peace, but Lord, peace is only going to happen in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And, and when, when these sort of desperate things happen, we should be saying, Lord, we need you to come on earth. We need, we need to see your way come. We need to see your kingdom come on earth. We need to see your righteousness, God. Because without that, without your good standard, the world is doomed, isn't it? But praise God, we have hope in Jesus. And praise God, the, the, the Bible says that he that lives in us, that Jesus is greater than he that is in the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I think it, it should challenge us and it should make us cry out to God and say, God, we need you to come. God, we need you to come. God, we need, and we, Lord, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. God, we, we need your power. We need you to break through. The world needs Jesus. Good things will only happen by the gospel of Jesus being proclaimed in this land and, in, and across the world. And it, and it makes me think, it, it, the other thing to say is, it, it, may, it reminds me of the kind of thing about being hungry is, it reminds me of a testimony Ken has shared about sort of how God um, started the church in the 60s. And, and I'm sure Ken will correct me if I get some of the de- details wrong. But in, in the 60s, there was all sorts of stuff going on. There was, um, well, it was only a couple of decade, decades since the Second World War. And there was the there was the kind of the swing 60s and the sexual revolution, all, all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, God was stirring up the holiness movement in various places. There was the, there was the holiness movement. Christians were praying uh, uh, about um, holiness and wanting to live holy lives and saying, God, we need you to do something. Because of everything that was going on in the world, everything that was going on uh, in, in society and all the, all the sort of wrong things and difficulties there are groups of people getting on their knees before God saying God will you come God will you come and do something God we need you we need you to break through and there was and, and there was the holiness movement and I think that's that's kind of one of the things that um sort of was going on where um the four of them were praying in someone's bedroom and the holy spirit came and um and you know that's that's sort of that's why we're here today because God God started this particular church that way but there were other things going on across the country at the same time it's holiness movement. but there, it's that hunger of God the world is awful but we need you we need you and, and I wonder whether this is something that we need to perhaps get back to and, and say Lord 
will you come? Lord, make us hungry. Um, I didn't really want to do this topic because the Lord knows that I'm not always as hungry as I should be. And I was kind of like, Lord, why am I doing this? I felt like the Lord said, well, it will enable you to, to think about it <laughs> and, <laughs> and to share it. Um, but maybe it's a timely thing because of, particularly because kind of, of, you know, what's going on at the moment. So that's just the sort of final thing I wanted to say before we, we close. Can we pray together, folks? I'll hand over to, to Ken and, um, and we'll go into some worship time. Let's pray together and perhaps let's, let's just wait and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have the words of eternal life. And Lord, when we hear the scriptures, Lord Jesus, we know that your words are life-giving. They're truth. They're the reality. So Lord, we thank you for, for what you have shared in this beatitude and, and Lord, what you said when you're on the earth. And thank you that we have the scripture today so that we can read those words, we can meditate upon them, we can let them transform us. So Lord Jesus... We pray that we would be hungry, that we would be thirsty for righteousness. Forgive us where we're not. Thank you that you've forgiven us. You died for us on the cross, Lord, and you said it's finished. Thank you, Jesus, that that was finished on the cross. All the things that we've done wrong, all the regrets, all the things that we've messed up, you have dealt with it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be more hungry for you and your way. And Lord, we thank you that, Lord, your promise to us is that you will fulfill us, that you will satisfy us, that you will give us life in abundance. Lord, I pray that we will live lives where we will, we will flow the abundance of the life of Jesus in our lives. It will flow out of us into others and it will be contagious and other people will say, why are you, why are you so joyful? Why are you, why are you so hopeful? And we will be able to say, it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. It can't be because of anyone else. It's because of you. So, Lord, stir us up to live in the way that you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen.